Okay, guys, we're live, Grand Christian Church. We are in Matthew still, and I, uh, looks like we will be for a while, okay? I, uh, praying about this portion of Matthew this week and spending some time there. I went back to what we're doing. It's it nice to know. It's nice to know where you're going when you get in the car and start. You know, kind of go the right direction. And what we are doing is we are allowing Matthew through the Holy Spirit to tell us about Jesus. Does that make sense? And you say, "Well, Bruce, it's the Bible." Yeah, I know it's the Bible, but by the Holy Spirit, a guy wrote this about stuff that happened when Jesus was here. Does that? Is that kind of a good common ground to start on? And as I was looking at this, I was like, you know, if I throw out the name Jesus, and I don't mean as a as a cuss word, I'm just talking about throw out the name, like the, the Jesus in a group of 100 people. What's going to happen is it's going to be like that old story you hear in leadership management schools years ago about you're trying to describe something and the first guy you got like four or five blind folks because you know we see darkly don't we okay and the first one goes in and it goes straight to the the trunks or sorry the elephant's trunk and it doesn't it's like oh it's kind of it's like long and then he goes to the tail. It's, well, it's part of it's long and skinny, and the other, it's all really flexible. It's all you know, it can move. And he blew water on me with it. Okay, that's what an elephant is. It's kind of like a like a big snake or something. Okay. Then the second guy goes in there, and he touches against the side of it, and he gets moving. He says it's huge. It's like a wall. It's big and flat because he's touching. He's not seeing the whole picture. Or, not seeing it, but he's not feeling the whole picture. Does that make sense? Yeah. You have another guy comes in and he walks straight over to the leg and wraps his arm around it and goes, it's a tree. It's just like a tree. It smells different, but it's, it's, it's just like a tree. Okay. And, and were they all wrong? No. Were they all right? No. They just saw a portion of the picture. And that's why we have four gospels. And that's why we, you know, it's so many. And, the, and at one one point it says these words, if they wrote down everything that happened, the the world couldn't contain the books, right? And and of course, obviously, we, we couldn't contain the knowledge. So let's go to Matthew 11, verse 25. Well... At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Now, this is a new King James Version. But just think about this, guys. He's praying. He's talking to God. And he says these words. Thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent. 
You've got gobs of Bible scholars there listening to what he's saying. But you've got people like you and I who are desperate for the Lord, who are hungry for the Lord, and, and we're, he's being revealed to us. Does that make sense? He is being revealed, not to the scholars, not to those that I'm not saying the scholars didn't get to there later, but at this point, thank you for revealing it to the babes. Even so, Father, so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. Now listen to these words. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. In other words, he's saying that his Father is passing out the revelation of who Jesus is. Is that what that says? Now look at that carefully. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and he to, to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Remember when he said, my Father and I are one? He got in trouble for saying that. Jesus is God. This is what he's saying. Jesus is God. Okay. Now watch this. In the middle of that, this would have been a great time for him to say, and another thing, since I'm God, I'm tired of y'all acting like that. You know, that's what I would have done. While I'm up, I'm going to, you know, go ahead and get a glass of iced tea. Now, listen, he, he literally, what a great time to say, what y'all need to do is let them locks grow longer on the sides because that's what's important, okay? Or whether you're wearing britches split in the middle or whatever, you know, whatever, Right? That been a great time for him to pick up some legalism and we'd just have it there forever, okay? But watch this. That is that point where he says these words. Timing is everything, ain't it? Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I could possibly, if you do everything just right, give you rest. Does it say that? All you perfect people that have your theology completely lined out, I'll give you rest. All of you guys that understand what's going on with the, the okay, I won't get on that, never mind. Heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come unto me. That's the prerequisite. If you stay where you're at, you ain't gonna get it. <laughs> Come unto me. That's the prerequisite. I like that prerequisite because I'm running after him. Amen. So what's this? I will give you rest. Now look at verse 29. You gotta be put on your Jewish glasses here for a minute. Okay, your Hebrew glasses to understand this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. In those days, that would be like me saying, well, we'll just go over to Porter's and get some chicken. Everybody in here knows what that means, okay? Because Porter's has chicken and it's across the street over here. Everybody that knows that, we don't have to say, which Porter? What did it, you know, when he said these words, everybody there knew what he was saying. The yoke of the rabbi was the teaching of the rabbi. 
the lifestyle, the whatever, all that had to do with following the rabbi. And he says, my yoke, my teaching is easy. And the burden that I am putting on you is light. Amen. Amen. And some of you, man, I would read this years ago. Maybe not that many years ago, but I would read this thing. And I go, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> this ain't light, right? What is going on? This is not light. This is heavy. And you know what? I kept studying, kept praying, kept studying, kept praying. And guess what happened? He said, it ain't what I'm putting on you is heavy. Right. It's what you're doing with I'm putting, what I'm putting on you. And, and it's, it's, it's the battle, the struggle is my flesh. It's not his teaching. It's not, it's a, oh, how, no, and we all struggle. Okay. And I'm not making, I'm not minimizing that. But what I am saying is, listen, his teaching, he says, come unto me. All ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Anybody that's thirsty, come and get a drink. That's what he says. Verse 30, for my yoke, my teaching is easy, and my burden is light. One version says, my requirements. You know, I'm just telling you. It's amazing to me, and I've said this in the last few weeks, and I've thought it several times when I was not speaking. It's amazing to me God uses human beings with all them angels. You know, that he tells them what to do, and they do exactly what he says. Okay? They're messengers. He's got all them angels, and he's using you. He's using me. And I'm not arguing with him. I mean, I don't understand it. But you see what I'm saying? And here's the deal. He, read the Bible. There's some messed up stuff in the Bible. I mean, you read that and you go, why did he do, why did, what, what he did, huh, what, okay. And you say, oh, that's just culture. No, that's some weirdness, okay. So, watch this. As we look at this, Matthew, which his name means the gift of God, he is teaching us about Jesus telling us about Jesus. Now watch this. We are called, we have a couple of names. We have several names for the body of Christ, but right, we are, we, we just had communion and we call that bread the body, okay? But another word for the, the people who follow Christ is the body of Christ. Remember what happened with, with Saul who became Paul. He's knocked off his donkey. I'm giving you abbreviated version. And a voice comes from heaven and this is what he says. He says, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting them New Testament Christians? He didn't say that. He said, why are you being Saul before he's Paul, persecuting me? It was his body. You are his body. We are his body. We are the body of Christ. We are his representatives here on this earth. Now, I got to looking at this and what we've already been over. And I'm very convicted. And I, I said, I, I looked at that and I thought, I go, okay. All we do is argue with God. 
Okay, that's all I do. I don't know what y'all do. All right, sorry. I can't read your mind yet. Well, some of you I can. But watch this. Oh, I don't mean everything. I just mean I can see it on your face. Okay. But watch this. This is a true story, what I'm going to tell you. This is something that happened in the 90s. And it's irritating to me. But that's where pearls come from, remember? Mm -hmm. So watch this. These two guys were college athletes that had graduated from college. They're basketball players. They're on a business trip. They get ready to, to fly. They had the cheap tickets. They were, Niger they were Nigerian. They were, had been brought over here to play on a college team or whatever. They had the cheap seats, you know, because that's what they could afford. And they got there, and the flight was canceled. The flight was canceled. And they're sitting there and they're thinking, what, what in the world? And has this ever happened in your life? You're like, my flight's canceled. My, this is going on. This is, I don't like the way this is working. This is not, this is, this is irritating to me. Okay. Y'all, okay, but here's the deal. Watch this. So this is not a, a fable. This happened. So they worked them into another flight. And they said, okay, you've already paid for your ticket, but the only, there's only two things on, there's only two chairs left on this airplane. And they're, both of them are first class. We're just going to put you in there to, to honor your ticket. We're just going to put you. And it was literally, the pilot was right here, and they were like one row back from the pilot. The stewardess could get in there between there, and that's it. They were right there. Okay. So they're flying along and they're like, hey, first class, right? And all of a sudden, the aircraft drops 4,000 feet. 4,000 feet, just like this. And people are screaming and howling and the stewardess working her way down there. She opens the deal in the cockpit and a deranged man on the flight has got in there somehow and is holding them around their neck and they're about to crash. These big old boys, these two big old college boys, the college athletes, they go in there and show them that's not the right thing to do. And I'm sure the most gentle and politically correct way. Okay, however how that worked out for them. Amen. I'm not his attorney, their attorney, but I'm sure, but whatever happened, was everybody on the plane glad that they was able to do that? Amen. And as I heard this story again, as I read it, I'm thinking, God, how many times in my life have you moved things around and had me right where I'm supposed to be at the right time? And I was gripping before, I, before it was revealed to me why I was there. And sometimes you ain't never going to know. And here's the deal. Do you trust him? And I want to tell you something. I believe that God knows what he's doing. As we go through these 147 points this morning, and, or a few less maybe, but as we go through this, I want, you tell, I want to tell you that God is making his body to represent. And I know I say that weird, but listen, 
As I was looking, you know, you do a presentation, you want a pres you want the presentation to reflect what you're trying to tell the people. Does that make sense? You want it to be accurate. You want it to be, you know, uh, to keep them awake. You want it to be all these things. And how are we representing Jesus as his body? How are we doing that? How is the body of Christ doing that? And that's you. And that's me. All the responsibility is not me. All the responsibility is not you. It's not all the other churches in town or all the other church. Listen, but it's we're part of the body of Christ. How are we doing it? What are we representing? And I wrote down like a million things here, but it won't take but a minute. I'm sure I live so fast. The first thing that as we've got to, now we're in, in uh, chapter 11, the first 11 chapters, I've seen a recurring theme. Here's the first word. Jesus is a healer. He is a healer. And what he's looking for in us is healers. And I'm telling you, listen to what I'm saying. Can't nobody get serious about other people's pain till you've been pain yourself. And there's people in this room, there's people that's watching me on the on the live stream that have been hurt. You have been you have been in pain. And I want to tell you something, this world is broke and it's in pain and it's hurting and we need those people to be healers. And you're saying, well, you know, I don't believe in divine. Listen, it's all divine. <laughs> the fact that I'm taking another breath is divine. So, but the point, I don't believe in divine healing. You do what you want to do. But listen, what I'm saying, I'm talking about being Jesus to people every day, the people that's walking up down this road out here that, that are addicts, the people that are sleeping in ditches, the people that are, are they're broken, they're, they're marriage, they're what, whatever, however, how they're suffering. Are you following me this morning? He has called his body to be healers. And we all have different roles in that. You know, some of us is the mouth, some of us is the hand, some of us is the wallet, some of us is the whatever. Now, would you agree with me that Jesus was a healer? Yes. And that he's called us to be healers. And I use the word wounded healers, but here's the deal, guys. Don't nobody get out of here without a little pain. Amen. So that's just the truth. So I will. Second thing that Jesus is, and he is asking us to reflect this is Jesus was a teacher and over and over and over he's teaching isn't he he's teaching and he expects you and I to be teachers whether we ever open our mouth I'm telling you Everybody has a different job in this thing. You know, I, uh, I study and pray and seek God and I've been teaching for a long time. And, and I, I had a conversation this morning that says, you know, this is my joy. This brings me joy. It, it, it helps me stay out of the ditches. It's, it's, there's all kinds of things that being a teacher does for me, but God called me to do this. I 
wouldn't have, honestly. But he called me to do this, but now it is my joy. And I want to ask you a question. Do you know the word of God? I'm not talking about being a legalist. I'm not talking about knowing everything there is to know about the, okay, never mind, I won't say that. Okay, about the, the law, I don't, but I, what I am talking about is do you know the word of God? And do you practice the word of God? Because I want to tell you something. I, uh, in a, I'm in a profession that um, I have different tools that I use for my profession. And some of them are, are uh, expensive. And you have to clean them. You have to use them. You have to, you know, if they get wet, you have to wipe them off, you know. Um, but here's the deal. Those tools, if I bought a $2,000 tool and got it all ready and never pulled the trigger on it, never saw if it worked, never knew where it hit, never never did anything on it, what good would it be? It looked it look good for $2,000. I'm sure it'd be pretty, you know. But... I mean, I'm just telling you guys, and that's where the word of God, well, yeah, I know, I know everything I need to know. Listen, he says, study to show yourself approved. Let's get into the word of God. Let's read the word of God. Let's practice the word of God. And you say, well, I don't know where to start. Start in Matthew. <laughs> We're already there. Okay. Um, listen, and we talked about it earlier, and I'll say it real quick. Literally, Jesus when he was attacked, he didn't say, I think, or this should be, or this would, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. What he said, it is written and quoted the word of God. And, you know, Philip Yancey um, has a book, The Bible That Jesus Read, you know, and that was the Old Testament, right? He, you see how many times he's quoting the Old Testament. And guys, I'm not telling you that we need to follow the law. What I'm, I'm a, on the other end of that spectrum. But what I am telling you is this, literally guys, is that we need to know what the word of God says. We need to know what his, his heart is in that. We need to know what it says. And you say, well, I don't agree with this about that. Just read it, pray over it, keep going, okay? Eat the meat, throw out the bone, okay? Just keep going. So he fought the devil with it and that's what we should do. And I wanna tell you, the third thing is that Jesus was, he's a healer, a teacher, and this is what I see something every time, and this is for some reason in this study is coming to the top almost every week as I, as I read and study. He is a man of authority. You need to be a man or a woman of authority and know where your authority comes from. Your authority comes from the word of God and God himself. I want to tell you something. If God says, so whoever believes in me will not perish and have everlasting life, who are you to argue with it? Who are you to argue with that? Well, I know, but they don't do it like I do it. I'm so ready to say I don't care. <laughs> but they don't, who, who, they're, they're drinking Kool-Aid. I, I mean, or, you know, whatever. So, I can tell you that if you want to know what's wrong with me, I'll hang around with you and tell you what's wrong with you because I can be extremely critical, okay? But 
There's something wrong with all of us. But he knows, know who we are in Jesus. Not one time did um, Jesus go to do something and ask the devil, is this a good idea? Is this a good idea? Could you wake the devil up and ask him if I'm supposed to do this? He didn't do that one time. And I'm going to tell you something. His flesh, when he was sweating great drops of blood, thinking about what was fixing to happen, his flesh was not agreeing with what he was going to have to do, was it? But his spirit, empowered by God, said, that's just my flesh. And I'm sure he was tired. He walked just about everywhere. I'm sure he was, and if he wasn't irritated when the disciples was arguing about who was going to be the greatest, I, I mean, my, that'd get on my, as my, as my mom would say, that'd get on my last nerve right there. That's what that would do. You gonna, you think you're great, you know, anyway, you know. But, so, he was a man of authority. You need to choose to be a man or woman of authority and know who we are in Jesus and I want to tell you something. If you need to do the Bruce Beaven School of Management, well, this is a different school, by the way, where you take the three or five cards and write down those scriptures and get them out four or five times a day and read them to yourself and read them out loud and sleep with them under your pillar, whatever you need to do, listen to what I'm saying. The Word of God is important, isn't it? It's essential to know who we are in Jesus. So, ooh, Number four is going to hurt. Go ahead and get ready for the sting. Okay. Because, uh, whew. Jesus was not bound by tradition. He was bound by the will of God. Think about this. Think of all the stuff he could have, them Pharisees, Sadducees, whatever sees, would have been, they would have, they would have shut their mouth if he just done a couple of things. But he was not bound by that. He cared more about the people and the purpose than he did this tradition. And I'm going to tell you something. Tradition is strong. And I want to tell you, the bottom line is this. There has always been the spirit of religion clawing at the spirit of Jesus. As I was studying at this again, oh Lord, how irritating. As I'm studying this again, I'm thinking, you know, we're always talking about the Antichrist, the Antichrist. You know what? What's worse is if you dilute the cure to the point it's no longer the cure or that you say that ain't the cure. Both of them work, don't it? If you take, if you have to have, you know, this, this percentage to wipe the germs off your hand and you put it in there with 17 gallons of water, okay, it ain't gonna get to, it ain't gonna, it ain't gonna get to kill the bacteria, okay? Or if you just change the deal and use something else with a different label on it, that's not, but both of them is error, isn't it? And let me tell you something. We have watered down the grace, the mercy, the power of Jesus Christ to save 
people, we've watered it down to the point it's the Antichrist. Because anti just means different than, other than. And I'm like, oh, that's irritating. To use that even the same sentence, but let's not, let's free ourselves from religious bondage and not use that as an excuse to go run amok, as Paul says, and I don't think he uses the word muck, but you know what I'm saying. Don't go, I will do whatever I want to because I'm saved. Well, that ain't going to work real good for you, okay? Because I'm going to tell you something. I was always J.O.B.'s son. I was always his son. But it didn't work real well when, when I did what he told me not to do. And if that's, it's, if we're not illegitimate children, okay? We are legitimate children, and he will discipline us. So the fifth thing is, I will, this, this wears me out. Number five, Jesus did not nitpick people. He was not a nitpicking person full of religiosity, but lover of the most high God and those people who were made in his image. And guys, I want to tell you something. And I've had these conversations with people in this room. I don't know that we'd recognize the New Testament church. If we was picked up right here and dropped in there, I'm not sure that we'd recognize it. Probably, number one, they'd all be sitting around a table, okay? It would be a, there would be a meal involved, probably. A fellowship, then teaching, you know, every once in a while a baby would holler, you know, that probably, you know I mean, I'm just telling you, I don't know that we would recognize and before it was long over, before uh, us worrying about ourselves, we'd be saying, hey, we're going to go around the room. Does anybody need anything? Does anybody need? Remember what the Bible says is they actually sold everything they had. And I mean, and I'm not purveying communism here. What I'm saying is I'm not sure that you, people showing up to church every once in a while and trying, you know, I'm not sure that that would have been the New Testament church. Okay. So, but here's the deal, guys. They had such persecution and such adversaries coming against them. It was, they had to put, get together. And I'm wondering sometime if that's not what God's allowing in this country is for us to say, you know what, we're gonna have to work together. Us and the church up the road or us and this over here, we're gonna have to work together. Okay, and uh, that's interesting. And we are working together with the churches in the area. So, and here is uh, the next scripture we need to go to uh, for these last two points. We're going to go to verse or chapter twelve. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. He's always getting in trouble around Sunday or Saturdays, which is our Sunday, whatever. Okay. And the disciples were hungry, which I'm getting hungry right now. So I better speed up. And began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Is that what the Bible says? No. And he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat 
nor for those who were there with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read the law that says on the Sabbath, the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blamed? In my legal days, legalist, more legal than I am now, days, I was at the point where I said, now can, should I eat at a restaurant and because somebody's having to work to prepare that? Should I do that? Am I causing them to sin by me? You know, and you say, Bruce, you're a long ways from here now. Well, yeah, probably, <laughs> probably, but probably. But here's the deal, guys. Um, that's legalism. That's legalism. And we do need rest. How many of y'all know we need rest? And we need, listen, we need a rest that is a supernatural rest. Okay? So it says the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath of blameless, And the reason they do that is they have to prepare all that stuff. They have to work. They have to do that. That's their job, ain't it? Okay? And, uh, but I say to them, in this place there is one greater than the temple. Who was he talking about? Jesus. Jesus is bigger than your religion. Okay? If you desire, if you know, oh, sorry, if you had known what this means, and he's quoting Hosea. Remember, he quotes the Bible. He quotes the Old Testament. Okay? Because that's what he's got to choose from. He is living the New Testament at that point. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless for the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The sixth thing that, he, he, I want to tell you something, guys. He is merciful, 12 and 7. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. That is God speaking to Hosea and Jesus is quoting it, talking about God, who Jesus is God. And if you can follow that, you're, you know, you're with me. But watch this, guys. God is merciful. You say, well, he don't seem like he's merciful. Listen, God sees things different than you see. Amen. He's high and lifted up. I want to tell you something. When you're in an aircraft, you see things different. And his, he's way higher than that. Yep. Okay. And I'm just telling you, his vantage point is different than your vantage point. You see today, you see what's going on now, you see what's the, immediately, he looks at things through eternal eyes. Now what's, think about that. You say, I don't want to, that hurts my head. Okay. And here's the deal. As I read that about David, you know, David was, about his father's business. When he did that, that was when he was running from Saul. Do y'all remember that story? And guys, I want to tell you something. He he asked the, the priest here, said, can you got anything to eat? And he said, well, we got this. And the priest said, well, have you been pretty good boys? He said, yeah, well, just take it with you. And I, that's paraphrased. Um, just take that and uh, I didn't want to get into what the priest actually said. So you do your own research on that. So, he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. We condemn the guiltless. And guys, that's not what Jesus does. And to help us with this, look at 11 
11. And I'm going to just hit through this real quick. Assuredly, I say to you that this born a woman, there's not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And that's a position that means in the new covenant versus the old covenant. But watch this, guys. Skip down there to 16. And what should I like in this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you didn't dance and we mourned for you and you did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say, he has a demon. Okay, so in other words, he was literally focused on one thing, preparing the way for the Lord. He's eating grasshoppers and, and uh, whatever. Well, no locusts and wild honey, yeah. Which is, I hope he had a cracker or something to put it on. But anyway, but the point being is this, guys. I mean, he's out there, that's his focus, okay? He is so focused, and they said, he got a demon. There's something wrong with him. And who was that? That was the religious people coming out there and saying. And now Jesus, it says, he's eating and drinking, and they're saying, oh, he's just another glutton. In other words, you ain't gonna please people. Is that what this says? Okay, well, you know, that denomination does that. And it's, it's like a buffet out there. Well, they can pick up the, you know, and here's the deal. You ain't, you don't know everything. You know, and I know I don't know everything because, you know, I'm inside of my brain, mostly. But watch this. As we read that, we say this thing and look at this 12 and 9. And he says this, the last point. There was a man who had a withered hand and it was on Sabbath. He had a withered hand. And I used to, this used to be confusing to me. And I don't mean, I thought, well, did Jesus do something wrong? No, I, I kept thinking, why are they even saying anything? The man's hurt, Lord help him, go down the road. It'd be like you walking along the road and me saying, probably deserve to walk but you know put them in the car so they're cut they're warm what's the difference so what's this what man is there among you as one sheep and it falls in the pit on the sabbath will not lay it lift it out or how much more valuable is a man than a sheep therefore it is law it is lawful to do good on the sabbath because see as a healer he was practicing his profession on the sabbath that's where they got that, that was the rub for them, okay? So what's this? He was not allowed, he was not willing to let religion keep him from blessing a person who needed it. Now, don't you think about that? And all of these is the question, the final question is this, do we represent as the body of Christ these things, are we healers? Are we teachers? Do we walk in authority? Are we bound by tradition? Or do we nitpick people full of religiosity? Or do we love God and, and uh, love the people who are made in his image? Are we merciful? And are we unwilling to let religion keep us from blessing those who need it? And I wanna tell you something. Sometime in the 80s, I started praying this prayer. 
And it was, Lord, I want to be the man you've called me to be. And it has not come without cost. And I'm not talking about some big choice I made. I'm talking about choices I didn't have living life. How's that? But the bottom line is this, guys. And I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm a long ways from it. But I still pray that prayer. And if that's our desire, then I want to tell you something. That's a desire that God is willing to work with. He's been working with scoundrels like us for a very, very long time. It's all he's ever had to work with. It was dirt first and then scoundrels. Okay. But uh, I have one more thing I need to say. And, and I'm not saying this as some big illustration or something, but I brought something today. This is a, an old leather coat that I have that I wore. I, it was already, I'd been wearing it a long time when I decided to do this. But I was in my car down there on the way to visit my parents when one of them was sick, something was wrong. And I pulled into a little convenience store in Clinton, Arkansas. And there was a bunch of guys there and they had this tag on the back of their motorcycle. And it was a, one of those things that goes behind and there's your tags in the middle and then it's got a little writing over the top, kind of a novelty deal. And it said, world's toughest rider. Iron Butt Association. And I thought, dang. So I went over there, you know, being the redneck I am. I went over and started talking to him. Surprise, surprise. And they explained to me that, you know, it was not a club. It was not a, all it was, was a long distance motorcycle riding association that just, they just, you could track your miles and, Pete and all kinds of stuff. I said, well, how do you do that? What, what do you do? And he said, well, the, the bottom rung is called, uh, it's the thousand mile in 24 hours on a motorcycle. And you verify it with witnesses at both ends and you send it in and you get a certificate. I said, how much does it cost? <laughs> And I don't know, it was like 40 bucks or something. And in my mind, I saw me going down the road and everything was just so cool. And, and at the end of it, I'd get me one of the little plaques and a little thing for my jacket. And I thought, yeah, right now, I'm like one of the toughest riders in the world. I had all these pictures of what it was gonna look in my brain. And uh, so I did some figuring, ciphering, and looking at maps and all this and from my from Rapid Roberts out here in Crane to Holbrook, Arizona by the route that I took which was the most direct route um, is uh, 1,042 miles. There wasn't nothing at 1,000 miles. I really wanted to stop at you know, 1,001 but there ain't no word stop, you know, freeway 
I guess you could lay down in the ditch or something. But anyway, because you're going to be tired. So I left that spring day and had it all planned and everything. It was just going to go so good. And the weather didn't get anywhere near like I wanted it to. It rained on me. It was cold. It was miserable. It was kind of nice for a little while, then it got cold and miserable again. And I kept going, I kept going. It was like one o'clock in the morning, or no, about midnight, somewhere out in the desert. And I stopped at a convenience store and I'm standing under the vent, shaking, drinking hot water and uh, eating Star Crunch or whatever, some something sugar in it and something cheap. And I go in the bathroom and I look in the mirror, guys, and I want to tell you something. I'm not saying this to be funny. I look like I was dead. <laughs> I was dirty. My hair was all over my head, which is not a surprise. I was, my eyes looked like somebody had just, you know, done that. I looked at that and I said, <sighs> I looked at myself in the mirror and I'd heard people do this before. And I started talking to myself. And I said, do you want this or not? Are you willing to pay the price for this or not? Do you want this or not? The guy in stall number two said, no. <laughs> but literally, guys, I got back on that bike and I just went down the road. It was miserable. And... I got there and I, I stopped and I took a picture and I, I was wearing that jacket. I remember it when I saw that this morning. And I can't tell you how many times along the way I thought, you know, it ain't worth it. And if you're feeling like it ain't worth it, it's worth it. And I'm not telling you to be a long distance rider at all. In fact, that ain't the point. But the point is, this morning, if you feel like, you know, I've been trying so hard and it's, the weather's been horrible and this has been horrible and the COVID. I mean, there's just this long list of things and, and fear and doubt and shame and look, it just keeps going and going and I just don't listen and never, nothing ever seems like it works out. Listen, don't quit. Amen. Because Jesus, this is the last point, I promise, Jesus didn't quit. And there, since he didn't quit, we read that scripture earlier. He's higher. He is God. And don't quit, guys. And he, all things are working together for your good. Even when it don't feel like it. Even when it don't smell like it. Even when you think, I just, it just can't get no worse. And then it does. But I want to tell you something. God knows what he's doing. Don't quit. So, Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for this group of people. Thank you so much, Lord, that they listen week after week, Lord, and come week after week and support. And Lord, just try to be the men and women we've called, you've called us to be. So Lord, first Lord, let us represent you as healers, teachers, walking authority, not bound by tradition, Lord, not nitpicking, being merciful, Lord. Not letting religion, Lord, keep us from doing what you've called us to do. Doubt and fear is all surrounding that religion, God. So, Lord, let us be the men and women you've called us to be. 
plunging ahead, not giving up. And Father, we love you. We give our lives to you. And if you have not received Jesus as your Savior right now, right where you're at, sitting on your couch, sitting in church, just receive, just say, Lord, I need a Savior. I need a Savior. My, my aircraft is going down, Lord. Come in and take this crazy man off of me. Lord, help me, oh God. Forgive me for my sins. Let me be the man or woman you've called me to be and start getting into that word. Surround yourself with people who love the Lord and start walking the path he's called you to walk. And it'll be different than my path. And that's a good thing. But he has a path for you. Lord, do what you will with us, oh God. Bless these people. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you got any questions, give me a buzz. Love you guys. Have a great day.